Democrats make their closing election case, and it's all about Donald Trump. Trump reemerges to prep a 2024 run and attack possible rival Ron DeSantis. And we bid a fond farewell to MSNBC's Tiffany Cross. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. Today's show is sponsored by ExpressVPN. Thousands of my listeners have already secured their network data. Join them at expressvpn.com slash Ben. We'll get to all the news in just one moment. First, it's hard to sleep these days. I mean, election day is literally tomorrow, but that means that when I put my head on the mattress, I need to go to sleep right away. And this is why I rely on my Helix sleep mattress. I've had my Helix for years now. I absolutely love it. I sleep like a baby, even in the midst of what is arguably my busiest season. There's always something bothering me, but I put my body on that mattress and I am out like a light. A mattress should never be a one-size-fits-all solution because why should you have to compromise on comfort? Helix has a sleep quiz. It matches your body type and sleep preferences to the perfect mattress for you because why would you buy a mattress made for somebody else? I took that Helix quiz. I was matched with a model that is firm but breathable because if it's too soft, they get back pain. And if it's not breathable, I tend to heat up too much. Helix knows that. They fixed the mattress just for me. Go to helixsleep.com slash pen. Take their two-minute sleep quiz. Find the perfect mattress for your body and sleep type. Your mattress will come directly to your door, shipped for free. Plus, Helix has a 10-year warranty. You can try it out for 100 nights risk-free. They'll even pick it up for you if you don't love it, but you will. Helix has over 12,000 five-star reviews. Their financing options and flexible payment plans that make it so a great night's sleep is never far away. For a limited time, Helix is offering up to 350 bucks off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners. This is an amazing offer. Take advantage of it at helixsleep.com slash Ben. With Helix, better sleep starts right now. Also, it is very important, fact of the matter, to have a will. This is because if God forbid you die, then what happens to your kids? What happens to your assets? Do you really want the government distributing all of those things, telling you or your family who's going to take care of your kids in case, God forbid, something happens to you? This is why you need a will. Responsible people have a will. I have a will. My wife has a will. You should have a will also. And this is where Epic Will comes in. It's incredibly easy and affordable to make that happen for yourself. Epic Will bundles your last will, living will, healthcare power of attorney, HIPAA release, and durable financial power of attorney. It only costs 119 bucks for a single person to create a will. When you use promo code Shapiro, you save 10% right away. Take five minutes today. Go to epicwill.com. Use promo code Shapiro. Save 10% on Epic Will's complete will package. If you do it through a lawyer, it costs you like thousands of dollars. That's not what's going to happen if you go to epicwill.com. And again, use promo code Shapiro. You will be saving 10% on Epic Will's complete will package. Make sure that your assets are disposed of in a way that is responsible. And it's kind of dark to think about your own demise, but this is a thing that will allow you to sleep better at night knowing that, God forbid, something happens to you. Everything is still taken care of. Go to epicwill.com, promo code Shapiro to get started. Well, the prospects for the Democrats continue to sink and sink the day before the election. According to 538, they're calling it a dead heat for the Senate. It's not quite a dead heat for the Senate. They've run 100 scenarios. In 54 of those scenarios, the Republicans win. There is a not insignificant possibility that Republicans win significantly more than 50 seats, that they end up with maybe 54 seats. You start getting outside that range and it becomes very, very speculative, but it's certainly possible they win all the way up to 54 seats. Now, again, that does not mean that Republicans are guaranteed to win the seats. What it does mean is that Republicans have the upper hand, according to 538 in a wide variety of states. And in those states, it looks as though the Republicans are, are going to win or at least have a very solid shot at winning. A new Wall Street Journal poll also suggests that the GOP has been picking up a larger share of black voters than in other recent elections. They've also improved their standing in the past few months among Latino voters. About 17% of black voters said they would pick a Republican candidate for Congress over a Democrat in journal polls, both in late October and in August. That is a substantially larger share than the 8% of black voters who voted for President Trump in 2020 and the 8% who backed GOP candidates in 2018. That's more than double, in fact. Meanwhile, among Latino voters, Democrats held a lead of only five percentage points over Republicans in the choice of congressional candidate. 
Latino voters in 2020 favored Biden over Trump by 28 percentage points. In 2018, they favored Democrats by 31 percentage points. So since 2018, that is a 26-point shift in favor of the Republicans. These are disastrous numbers for Democrats. It means that the demographic coalition argument that Democrats have been making for two decades is not only wrong, it is dramatically wrong. If Republicans start cutting into the Democratic base to the tune of 20% of black voters and 50% of Hispanic voters, Democrats do not have a coalition. The coalition simply does not exist. And one of the reasons the coalition doesn't exist is because Democrats simply have not delivered on any of their promises. The only promises they've delivered on are turning equity into the center of all policy at the White House level, suggesting that equal outcome is significantly more important than equal opportunity or equality of rights. Most people don't like that stuff. And they've also delivered on their promise that they are going to push in very socially radical directions, which, again, most Americans are not in favor of. Meanwhile, the bread and butter issues they've completely failed on, according to the Wall Street Journal, elevated and persistent inflation is among the greatest near-term risks to the U.S. economy and financial system, according to the Federal Reserve over the weekend. They also warned about rising friction in trading of U.S. government debt. Fed Vice Chairwoman Lael Brainerd said on Friday, there's a risk an unexpected shock could amplify existing vulnerabilities in the financial system. In a statement accompanying the release of the central bank's latest report on financial stability, quote, it's important to remain attentive to the risks raised in the report and to work with domestic and international regulators to support the resilience of the financial system. So in other words, we could have inflation to the extent there's an actual meltdown in some of the financial systems globally. The Fed and other central banks have been raising interest rates at the fastest pace in more than four decades to beat back inflation by slowing economic growth. Right now, economists are estimating there will be a recession next year. It is likely that recession could be quite deep and it could be quite long. So all of this is a disaster area for the Democrats going into a midterm, let alone a presidential in 2024. All of this is starting to have its first effects in the immediate economy, not just in terms of inflation, but in terms of people's actual decision making. So according to, to the Wall Street Journal, many shoppers are now trading down to less expensive clothing and accessories. They've been swapping Lululemon leggings for Uniqlo and expensive lingerie for Target bras and panties as inflation eats into their disposable income and a rocky stock market erodes their wealth. So people are downshifting their splurge this year. So the interest rate increases are having their predictable effect. People feel like they are running out of money thanks to inflation and they are starting to spend less money. Meanwhile, layoffs have begun at a bunch of companies that are most vulnerable to the volatile markets. So Meta, which has been dramatically misrun in terms of moving away from core business, which was Facebook and toward the metaverse, and is something that Mark Zuckerberg has wanted to focus on. Maybe as a long-term play, it works. In the short term, it certainly is not. Their stock is down 80% this year. Meta is now planning large-scale layoffs this week, according to people familiar with the matter, in what could be the largest round in a recent spate of tech job cuts after the industry's rapid growth during the pandemic. So there was a massive inflation in the tech industry, thanks to everybody staying home and being on the computer full time. But also thanks to the amount, the vast amounts of speculative money that were blown into the pockets of investors, people were putting that into tech because that's where the high payoffs were. Well, now they're looking at mass layoffs over at Facebook. All of this amounts to a really, really bad closing for the Democrats. So this means that the Democratic closing argument is going to have to be entirely Trump. It was always going to be Trump, but now it really has to be Trump. Maybe they could have trumpeted their own accomplishments if they had any, they don't. And so their closing argument is going to be that if Republicans take back the House and then if Republicans take back the Senate and then if they take back the presidency in 2024 and if Trump is the actual nominee in 2024, then we are going to revert back 50 years. It's going to be a tyrannical fascistic state here in the United States. Now, they're, they're not really trotting out Joe Biden to make this case because Joe Biden is really, really bad at this. So they've been trotting out Barack Obama, who, by the way, is also not great at stumping for his own base. Barack Obama was great at getting Barack Obama elected. He was terrible at getting anybody else elected. Over the course of his presidency, something like 1,100 state, local, and federal offices in the Democratic Party were lost because he was so bad at helping people in his own party. But you got to go with what you got to go with. 
So Barack Obama was out there stumping for John Fetterwoman. And uh, his closing argument is that if the Republicans win the House and the Senate, they're going to set the country back 50 years. Now, I would take this a little more seriously if he hadn't said this about Mitt Romney. He literally said this about Mitt Romney. It was that he was going to take us back to the 80s in terms of foreign policies and the 50s in terms of social policy. Now he's saying the same about, like, you can't keep playing the same tune over and over without it becoming Muzak. And when, when Democrats keep saying over and over, you're going to bring us back to the 50s, you're going to bring us back 50 years, 60 years, 100 years, 2,000 years. When you say this kind of stuff over and over again, whatever the melody is, it just starts to sound like background noise. You're just, it's just elevator music at this point. So here's some elevator music from the former president. So I think somebody mentioned earlier, we're, we're sending our clocks back tomorrow by an hour. On Tuesday, let's make sure our country doesn't get set back 50 years. I love it when people think they have a laugh line and, and their line is garbage, but, but they're very enthused by their own laugh. Let's make sure it's not 50 years. Solid stuff there from the president. I also uh, was amused by, by Barack Obama trying to make excuses for the Democrats' bad crime record by saying, you know, everybody's saying that um, crime is going up. Well, not just over the last two years. There's been a, a, a more significant rise in crime over a longer period. Here he is explaining there is one problem with this argument. There's a lot of talk about crime right now. You know, violent crime has gone up, but you know, it, it went up over the last seven years, not just the last two. They don't talk about the previous guy. It's gone up in, in conservative rural places, not just cities. Now, I, I do know a little bit about crime statistics. I know even more about basic math, like really, really basic math. I'm not like, I'm not an engineer. 2022 minus seven is 2015. Who was the president in 2015? Quick quiz. Who was the president? It was the guy who was just talking right now about how crime started going up seven years ago. That guy. Yes, crime started going up under you. <laughs> no one ever talks about the previous guy. Don't talk about the guy before him. That guy, we're not going to talk about him. Th thank you, Mr. Mr. President. That, that's solid stuff. Meanwhile, Joe Biden was, they, they did actually trot him out, but they've been trotting him out in sort of random places. So they, they trotted him out in Philadelphia for like half a second, like a hot half second. They've actually been trotting him out in places like his closing days are going to be in heavily Democrat districts. It's really, really funny. Like they're actually trotting him out in Bowie, Maryland and Ashburn, Virginia. The Maryland governor's race and a Northern Virginia house seat, those, those, those districts, by the way, those areas are D plus 20. They don't want Joe Biden anywhere near in actual competitive race in the final day of the election. They don't want him anywhere near that. They're going to they're gonna stock that dude in a D plus 80 district because at least he can't lose him that. I mean, he's losing him everything else. Anyway, Joe Biden's closing argument is that the election is a, is a choice between darkness and light and mashed potatoes. But really, Democrats up and down the ballot, we need to elect them all. We need it badly. Pennsylvania, this isn't a referendum this year. It's a choice. A choice between two vastly different visions of America. So what, what are those different visions of America? One is, one is the one where you trans the kids, and the other one is the one where you don't trans the So there's that one. But that's not, that's not what he's talking about. He's talking, this isn't your father's Republican Party, or grandfather's, or great-great-grandfather, or, or even Methuselah. I, I remember. I, yeah. yeah. So um, his pitch is the same as Barack Obama's. It's a brand-new Republican Party, but it's an evil Republican Party. The old Republican Party was good, but not the one before that. That one was super bad. The new one is going to be like the really, really old one. Here's this confused pitch. I, I like the guy in the background who's so bored that he's like playing on his phone. 
It's a fundamental shift compared to the Oz and the, the mega, mega Republican trickle-down economics. Oh, really? This ain't your father's Republican Party. This is a different breed of cat. It's a different breed of cat. It's, it's, like, it's like a Siamese cat, but not like a, not like a striped Siamese cat. Like a different kind of Siamese cat. It's the kind of cat that, it's not a pussy cat, it's a boy cat. Uh, this is this is their clip. So the media are trying to make the case for Biden because Biden can't make the case for himself. Again, people literally in the background of his shot are just playing with their phones as he talks because no one knows what the hell he's talking about. So you have the New York Times, which is just the press arm of the White House. As midterms near, Biden faces a nation as polarized as ever. President Biden had hoped to preside over a moment of reconciliation after the turmoil of the Trump years. But the fever of polarizing politics has not broken ahead of Tuesday's midterm elections by Peter Baker, their star politics. Oh, is that what Biden hoped to do? Was preside over unity? Because uh, I have a few notions of how he has not provided unity. Spending more money than in the his anywhere in the history of the United States on a fully partisan basis like without any Republican votes on anything except for the infrastructure bill, proclaiming that he has the executive power to cram down vax mandates via OSHA, as well as cram down student debt relief to the tune of half a trillion dollars without any sort of executive authority, claiming that his opponents are evil, tyrannical election stealers who are getting in the way of children's health by preventing people from cutting off the genitals of kids. I like, I, I, I'm noticing, going to... Independence Hall, lighting it up blood red and then shouting that your political enemies are enemies of the Republic. He sounds like a real unifier, this guy. But according to the New York Times, that's the sad part. The sad part is that he is a unifier and you just don't understand. You, the people, the people, you're too stupid. If only you had understood. So the New York Times says, before heading into a community center for a campaign rally the other day, President Biden stopped to speak to the overflow crowd that could not squeeze into the small facility. They're putting him into a small facility because he cannot fill a large facility. As often happens, whenever Biden finds a microphone and a willing audience, his family made a cameo appearance. This time it was his long dead grandparents. <laughs> I love that even in the stories that are supposed to be sop pieces for Biden, it's like, oh man, this guy's talking about his dead grandparents again. Every time I'd walk out of my grandpa's house, he'd yell, Joey, keep the faith. The president recounted, my grandmother would yell, no, Joey, spread it, go spread the faith. Again, he note about Joe Biden. Anytime he says the word Joey in a story, it's not true. Every single time. I guarantee you when he was six years old and he walked out of his grandparents' house, his grandpa was like, Joey, keep the faith. And then his grandma was like, no, Joey, spread the faith. Every time he left their house? Ever, was that before or after his dad told him that the two gay dudes making out on the corner in Scranton, Pennsylvania in 1523, that's what love looked like. Biden has been spreading the faith across the country in recent days spreading the faith, undaunted by the polls and prognosticators forecasting a devastating defeat for his party in Tuesday's midterm elections. Faith has been Biden's calling card in his nearly two years in office. Faith in the system in which he has been a fixture for more than half a century. Faith he could repair the fissures of a broken society. Faith that he and he alone could beat former President Trump if they face off again in 2024. Ah, oh, that's it. But he's been unable to spread the, because you're heretics. If only you enjoyed the faith. If only you understood the faith, but you don't. So the New York Times is going to try to promote the faith. It's not a faith shared by everyone, not even among fellow Democrats, not even among his own advisors and allies, some of whom view the coming days with dread. After turning to Mr. Biden for a sense of normalcy two years ago, following the turmoil of Mr. Trump, voters now appear poised to register discontent he has not delivered in the way that they expected, regardless of whether it was realistic in the first place. So New York Times lamenting already. Meanwhile, the Washington Post is playing directly into the democracy under fire line. Democracy under fire. Wow. It, like, if, if you don't elect the Democrats, if you don't vote for a single party, then this means the democracy is going to die. Quote, 
Local governments have erected barriers and called in police reinforcements to protect buildings where votes will be counted. Election officials have prepared rapid social media responses to false claims of ballot fraud. And a human rights group typically focused on fragile democracies abroad has turned its attention to the United States, asking candidates to pledge to respect the results. Two years after Donald Trump tried to overturn a presidential election, Tuesday's midterms will test American democracy once more. What, are we gonna overthrow democracy tomorrow? Is that what's gonna happen? Or is none of that going to happen? Are there gonna be people who say dumb crap about the elections? Absolutely. Will it be on both sides? You bet, because a bunch of Democrats are going to lose and then they're going to claim voter suppression. Many, many Democrats will claim voter suppression. They're already starting, as we'll see, to claim that it's about misinformation. But this is the, the, the Democrats' closing pitch because they don't have policy and they don't have personality. The Democrats' closing pitch is that if Republicans are elected, this may be the end of the American experiment. The Washington Post has an entire editorial board piece titled, quote, this is not a normal election. Voters should keep that in mind. Tell me again, is it the most important election of our lifetimes? Because I've only been hearing that every election cycle my entire life. There is no need to overstate the threats, says the Washington Post editorial board. Widespread early voting has so far proceeded mostly without incident. It is imperative that Americans are not scared away from the polls. See, they're already laying the groundwork for the idea that if Democrats lose, it's because Americans were scared away from the polls. In deciding whether and how to vote, Americans should keep the fundamentals in mind, supporting candidates committed to the democratic system and the peaceful transfer of power, opposing those who have tried to profit from toxic lies about election integrity. How about toxic lies about voter suppression? How about toxic lies about the idea that if the Republicans enter power, there will never be another legit election in the history of the United States ever again? How about the lie that the Supreme Court is stacked by complete partisans and we shouldn't listen to it because they overruled Roe versus Wade or the idea the Electoral College needs to be overthrown or the idea that the Senate should be completely reconstituted or the idea we should simply willy-nilly add Democratic states to the Senate. I'm, I'm, the, the, these folks who do not give a crap about the institutions of the United States lecturing us about the institutional integrity of the United States, it's rather annoying. But I guess you got to fall upon something. I guess you got to do something. The Washington Post does acknowledge that Democrats did help extremists win GOP primary elections Calculating cynically, they would be easier to beat in general elections. Polls show this gambit might backfire. Well, yeah, play stupid games, win stupid prizes. Short-sightedly, Democrats have failed to build a pan-ideological coalition to defend democracy, as they should have the moment Donald Trump won the 2016 GOP presidential nomination. Yet it is ultimately on voters to keep the big picture in mind. You see, you hate democracy unless you vote for the Democrats. This is the final closing argument right here. And James Clyburn makes that explicit. He says that Trumpism is equivalent to Nazism. If you voted for Trump in 2020, or if you would vote for Trump in 2024, this means that you are ideologically equivalent to a brown shirt Nazi, says James Clyburn, who, uh, who made Joe Biden president of the United States because he won him the primaries in South Carolina. Congressman, welcome back to Fox News Sunday. Uh, thank you very much for having me back. I want to start here with some comments you made just a couple of days ago. This is what happens in a country that follows what happened in Germany uh, in the early 30s. This country is on track to repeat what happened in Germany when it was the greatest democracy going, elected a chancellor who then co-opted the media, and that's what's going on in this country. Congressman, you've repeatedly made comments about Hitler, about Nazism, about Germany in the 1930s in recent years. You've gotten a lot of pushback from that from Jewish organizations and others who say it belittles the suffering of the Holocaust, of the millions who were lost. Your response? I've talked to many Jews. There are many Jews in my congressional district. And they are very supporters of mine. They know that this is the stuff uh, that causes those kinds 
of deteriorations in democracy. Uh, wasn't Gina Carano thrown off Twitter for this? Wasn't, I mean, wasn't she thrown out of Disney Plus for this? So this is their closing pitch. Their closing pitch is, we got nothing else. The Republicans are Nazis. Well, that's an interesting pitch. It's not going to do much because the reality is that most people don't actually believe that if they vote for their local Republican congressperson, the Nazis have risen. Nobody actually believes that if they vote for Lee Zeldin in New York over Kathy Hochul, that the Nazis are arriving. Lee Zeldin, who is Jewish. Nobody actually believes that if Ron DeSantis wins by 11 points in Florida or if Herschel Walker enters the Senate in Georgia or if Dr. Oz wins in Pennsylvania, that, that somehow the Nazis are on the rise. But again, the Democrats have to do something. They have to do something because what they actually are pitching is so wildly unpopular to Americans that they have no other choice. And what they are pitching is simultaneous incompetence and malevolence, which is a very bad pitch. Incompetence and malevolence is a very, very bad combo. It's more on this in just one moment. First, if you're just getting started on your financial journey, it's important to set yourself up for success. If you've got a high credit score, you have more power than you think. Leverage that score to consolidate your debt before interest rates get too high. You might be able to pay off your credit cards faster with a low fixed rate loan from Lightstream. A credit card consolidation loan from Lightstream can help you pay off those credit cards and lock in that low fixed interest rate. Rates start at 5.73% APR with auto pay and excellent credit. Plus, the rate is fixed, so it'll never increase over the life of the loan. You can get a loan from five grand to 100 grand without any fees. You can even get your money as soon as the day you apply. Lightstream believes people with good credit deserve a better loan experience. That's exactly what they deliver. Just for my listeners, apply right now, get a special interest rate discount, save even more. The only way to get that discount is to go to lightstream.com slash Shapiro. That's L-I-G-H-T-S-T-R-E-A-M.com slash Shapiro. Subject credit approval rates range from 5.73% APR to 19.99% APR, include a 0.50% auto pay discount. Lowest rate requires excellent credit terms and conditions. Apply offers are subject to change without notice. Visit lightstream.com slash Shapiro for more information. That's lightstream.com slash Shapiro to get started. Also, if you're a small business owner and you haven't started prepping for the cast of holiday mailing and shipping, you're already behind because the holiday season is soon to be upon us. Luckily, stamps.com has everything you need to make your life much easier. Sign up right now. You'll be printing your own postage in just minutes. Here at Daily Wire, we've used stamps.com since 2017. We don't waste our time. Stamps.com is one-stop shop for all your shipping and mailing needs. It's a 24-7 post office. You can access from anywhere. We're talking no lines, no traffic, no hassle. For 20 years, stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses. Get access to the USPS and UPS services you need to run your business directly from your computer. You can even save up to 86% on USPS and UPS shipping rates. Use stamps.com to print postage wherever you do business. All you need is a computer and printer. If you need a package picked up, you can easily schedule it through your stamps.com dashboard. Rates are constantly changing, but with stamps.com's switch and save feature, you can easily compare carriers and rates so you know you're getting the best deal every single time. Get ahead of the holiday chaos this year with stamps.com. Sign up with promo code Shapiro for a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus free postage and free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. Just go to stamps.com. Click the microphone at the top of the page. Enter code Shapiro. That's stamps.com. Click that mic at the top of the page and enter code Shapiro to get started. So let's start with the incompetence. Yesterday, Joe Biden, again, he was out speaking. And apparently he got scared of his own shadow or something. I can't even, I don't even know what's going on in this clip. 10, 12, 15, whoops, stepping on him. There's a, it's black. Anyway. <laughs> Joey got scared of his own shadow there. Too bad his grandparents weren't there to tell him, Joey, keep the faith. Uh, and then, um, and then he, here's the, here's the really bad part. In the same speech, a heckler started heckling him about the environment. And uh, Joe Biden's response was to pledge no new drilling, which is one hell of a pitch in the middle of an election cycle where you are claiming that you wish to bring down energy prices and you have blamed gas companies and refineries and local gas stations for raising the price. He literally says no new drilling two days before the election. 
genius stuff here from the president of the United States. No more drilling. There is no more drilling. I haven't formed any new new drilling. That was before I was president. We're trying to work on that, get that done. Senile old man starts stumbling over words, says the quiet part out loud. Wow, wow. But, but that, by the way, that was not actually his only statement about this over the weekend. He also suggested that we're going to shut down all the coal plants. There'll be no new drilling and there'll be no new coal. You think your energy prices might go up, guys? You, mean, you think the uh, inflation in, in your personal bill might get worse? This is his closing argument in a midterm election where he has blamed Vladimir Putin and the gas companies for the increase in the, in the gas prices. Here's Joe Biden. I was in Massachusetts about a month ago on the site of the largest old coal plant in America. Guess what? It costs them too much money. They can't count. No one's building new coal plants because they can't rely on it, even if they have all the coal guaranteed for the rest of the existence of the plant. So it's going to become a wind generation. And all they're doing is going to save them a hell of a lot of money and using the same transmission line that transmitted the coal-fired electric on. We're going to be shutting these plants down all across America and having wind and solar. We're going to shut down all the coal and we're going to, we're going to blow into, into like little windmills. We're going, to, that's what we're, going to, we're going to get pinwheels and we're going to go. And it's going to make the energy appear, Joey. Solid final pitch here from a president who says he's bringing down inflation. Meanwhile, in the Senate, you have John Fetterman, who is still campaigning and came out shockingly in favor of overruling Roe. That was, I didn't expect that in the last days of the election for John Fetterman to say that he's very excited about the overruling of Roe. But apparently, he either that or his brain is not functioning the way it should. I will let you decide. I run on Roe v. Wade. I celebrate the demise of Roe v. Wade. Uh, what? I, I ran on Roe v. Wade. I celebrate the demise of Roe v. Wade. I don't think that's what he means to say. But, you know, there are no qualifications for the United States Senate anymore. They simply do not exist. So that guy could actually be in the Senate. In fact, right now, if you have to ballpark that race, that race is at best a 50-50 toss-up. I mean, I'm looking at the polling right now in Pennsylvania. And that Pennsylvania polling has Oz up 0.1. <laughs> like, the, 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 Oz is within margin of error against Fetterman in every single poll, except for a Marist poll that came out like a week and a half ago that, that says that Fetterman's up six. All the other polls have Oz pulling ahead, but there's been a lot of early voting in that state. So that guy could end up in the Senate and he could just by mistake vote in favor of a bunch of Republican policies. So maybe it'll be okay, guys. Maybe he'll end up caucusing with the Republicans just by accident. Could happen. The New York Times is trying to put all the pieces back together for John Fetterman. Katie Gluck has a piece. I, I kid you not. This is its title. Half the story of every election is the media playing actual offense on behalf of Democrats. It's just a PR wing. The New York Times is a PR wing for the Democratic Party. Listen to this headline. You ready? For Fetterman, the campaign trail doubles as a road to recovery. Is that what it does? Is it really? Is that so? Is that normally what we do with people who suffer severe strokes? We put them on the campaign trail 12 hours a day. We put them in front of microphones to speak incoherently. And then we put them in a debate where they proceed to not speak full sentences. That's, that's actually the best road to recovery for people, guys. It's amazing. That's what we should do with everybody who has some sort of horrific personal health incident. Somebody who gets cancer, the first thing that we need to do is we need to put them on the campaign trail. As we know, this is the best road to recovery. For Fetterman, the campaign trail doubles his road to recovery. The idea being, of course, that if you obstruct him from going to the Senate, then you have hindered his recovery. How dare you?
In the final days of an extraordinary Pennsylvania Senate race, extraordinary, in which a stroke survivor is running against a celebrity television physician, John Fetterman is proactively acknowledging his recovery remains a work in progress, leaning into the issue with a mix of humor, sarcasm, and notes of empathy for others struggling with health challenges as he competes in one of the most consequential contests in the U.S. midterms. Over the course of four events, Mr. Fetterman came across as high energy and forceful at times, but uneven in crispness and fluency. Oh, is that, oh, it's uneven, is it? That's uneven, is when you announce support for the precise opposite of the policy you supposedly back. He sometimes stumbled over a word, corrected himself mid-sentence or tacked down extraneous words. Abortion decisions belong only between a woman and their doctor, he said on Thursday. Always has, should, been, and always should, will. <laughs> Sounds okay. Everything's fine, guys. It's all good. Everything's, everything's good. This is their closing pitch. Meanwhile, Val Demings, who is about to lose to Marco Rubio in Florida, she's out there pushing the thing that people care most about, diversity. That is what people care about these days is, is merely the skin color of the people who, uh, who staff various political offices, not whether they're actually good at the job. Here's Val Demings. Remember, she was supposed to be very competitive with Marco Rubio. The polls currently have her down somewhere between seven and 10 points. But let me say this. The Senate not only needs to reflect the diversity that we see across our nation, but a diversity of perspectives mm. at the table. You better believe growing up poor black and female in the South, I not only bring a different perspective, but the diversity that we should see uh, within the Senate, just as we all celebrated Justice Katanji Brown Jackson. Guys, the, the pitch, the MSNBC final pitch for you should put somebody in the Senate is the brochure from your local community college. That's the, that, that's the final pitch. Shouldn't we have a college that looks like America? Shouldn't we have a Senate that looks like America? I grew up poor and black in the South, like Steve Martin in The Jerk, except she actually grew up poor and black in the South, unlike Steve Martin in The Jerk. But I noticed that they don't hold that standard. You know who actually grew up super poor and super black in the super South? Clarence Thomas. And you know who they don't care about and don't like? Clarence Thomas, who they label a white guy. So there's that. Again, this is your closing pitch. Good luck to you. Good luck. Meanwhile, it's fun. Democrats are, um, uh, they're on their heels here. Amy Klobuchar, who you will recall from such hits as, I threw a binder at my staff and I lasted for two weeks in a, in a presidential election before sidecarring Kamala Harris, just bumper carring her out off the road. Amy Klobuchar, she was asked specifically on CNN why Democrats had propped up people like New Hampshire Senate candidate Don Baldick who was expected to lose his race against Maggie Hassan, but now appears likely to at least be very, very competitive. She had to sidestep this one because, again, it totally undercuts the entire Democratic argument. If the Republic is at stake, why are you guys supporting the supposed Nazis in the primaries? Democratic groups spent millions of dollars boosting him in the Republican primary because they thought he'd be easier to beat in the general election. But now... The race is really tight. That's why you're there. Uh, Bolduc has a shot of winning. If he is in the Senate with you in January, will Democrats deserve some of the blame? I'm not going to, at one moment, concede uh, this race because Maggie has been ahead every step of the way. They know Can her. Can you they concede love her. that She's it was a mistake, or do you believe it country. was a mistake to no. boost him? I, I have made, first of all, I'm not going back over past strategy right now, two days before the election. I am one uh, that... Um, I'm not a big fan of spending money on other candidates and messing around. I will admit that. And I've said that. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, they're going to try to buy that one back. It's not going to work. Their preemptive strategy of loss is going to be that everyone is stupid and Republicans are cheating. It's hysterical. They are accusing Republicans right now of skewing the elections. You're never going to have a clean election again. And then they're preemptively saying that Republicans are going to cheat on election day. 
I don't know. This is why no one takes you guys seriously. You say democracy is a threat, and then you promote people who are quote-unquote election deniers like Don Balduck. And then you also claim that on election day, the votes are going to be suppressed and skewed. And you're saying it's a uniparty problem, this election denial stuff? Here is the chair of the DNC, Jamie Harrison, making this case. And that means we're investing in coalition building, organizing, voter protection staff, because we know the hanky-panky stuff that Republicans will do on election day. They're already trying to keep many of our young people from voting, many of our communities of color from voting. But I want them to know right now, we are not going back. That's voter suppression, guys. They don't do election denial. Election denial is not a thing Democrats will do except when they preemptively do election denial. Stacey Abrams has uh, another take on why Democrats are about to lose the election. And apparently it's because black men, this is Stacey Abrams, apparently it's because black men are too stupid to understand information, which is an interesting closing picture from Stacey Abrams, who's about to get her butt kicked in her race against Brian Kemp in Georgia. Remember the great, the great hope of the Democratic Party, the future president of the universe, according to Star Trek. I do not believe it's because of a deep well of enthusiasm for my opponent. We know that black voters are often discounted. And unfortunately, this year, black men have been a very targeted population for misinformation, not misinformation about what they want, but about why they want what they deserve. And my campaign has been the only one that has very intentionally, thoughtfully and consistently reached out. That has been misconstrued as concern when it indeed is just respect. Uh huh. So it's because the black men are apparently too dumb to understand the information. They, that's why they don't like Stacey Abrams enough. Got it. Great, great closing pitch there, Stacey. Yeah, it's going to be a bad day for Democrats on Tuesday. In a second, we'll get to the Republican closing pitch. Plus, we'll get to Donald Trump, who has decided to insert himself into the race two days before the election, because why not? Why? Uh, because what? Sure, why not? Well, folks, the day everyone has been waiting for is finally upon us. Election Day. We're having one incredible event. Daily Wire Election Night 2022. Coverage starts at, wait for it, 3 p.m. Central and runs until 11 p.m. <laughs> Central time. Starting at 6 p.m. Central, I will be there. I'll be joined by Matt Walsh, Michael Knowles, Andrew Clavin, God King with the Lord G. Jeremy Boring. Candace Owens will be there as well. We'll give you the play-by-play throughout the night. We'll be giving you live updates from the Morning Wire team, plus any pertinent social media meltdowns from the likes of AOC. There will also be some special guests dropping in for commentary as well. Get the election news you need to know in real time with expert commentary. Come join us. Celebrate what is likely to be a red wave. If you're not yet a member, go to dailywire.com slash Ben and join us today. Okay, so Republicans are making their closing pitch and their closing pitch, unsurprisingly, is Democrats suck at this because um, that's an easy closing pitch. Carrie Lake, who has been running a very strong campaign in Arizona, Democrats pushed her in the primaries because they thought that she was going to be a weak candidate. That turns out to be a massive fail. John Fox News with Brian Kilmeade, and uh, she was talking about her own border policy. There's a reason why she's likely to be elected governor of Arizona. And you talked about borders. Going to the border, one of the big stories is Governor Ducey said, you're not going to build a wall that the American people paid for, so I'm going to get shipping containers and make a barrier. The federal government is suing, saying you're trespassing. If you get this job, this is going to be your issue. You just went to the border. What are you going to do if the federal government says, I'm sending cranes, I'm taking them out? Well, we're going to tell them to pound sand because we are going to invoke our Article 1, Section 10 powers in the United States Constitution to protect our citizens in Arizona. Okay, well, again, these sorts of questions obviously cut very much in Carrie Lake's favor. The fact that there's been a massive border crisis that the entire media have spontaneously and sporadically ignored. And sometimes they'll cover it and then they'll just stop covering it. The fact is like 6,000 people have been crossing the border every day of the presidency of Joe Biden. 
The numbers are astonishing. It's the worst border crisis in American history. It's not even close. And that's the reason why Carrie Lake is running up in Arizona. Meanwhile, Tudor Dixon is running a very competitive race in Michigan with Gretchen Whitmer. That is a race that was not supposed to be competitive. And uh, she was, again, on Fox News, talking about how The View had basically been going after white suburban women. Democrats have made a bunch of boo-boos in this campaign, and so have their media advocates. Tudor Dixon taking advantage. I read a, a poll just yesterday that white Republican suburban women are now going to vote Republican. Why? It's almost like roaches voting for raid, right? Tudor, I only got about 30 seconds left here, but roaches voting for raid. Kind of disgusting, isn't it? It is. This is the deplorables moment of 2016, and that will drive more people to the polls. They won't talk about it. It will be a shock come Tuesday. By the way, the last two polls in Michigan have that race inside the margin of error. Whitmer up two, Whitmer up three. That's in Michigan. The Republicans closing pitch is a very easy one. They just point at the Democrats. That's it. Which, by the way, is half of campaigning. It's really all you have to do when you're out of power. And I don't even know what Republicans are going to govern like when they get into power. It's an open question. We're going to have to talk about what that governance should look like because they can make some very big boo-boos once they have power. But the reason that they're running very strong right now is specifically because all they have to do is point at the Democrats, which is why when you are two days away from an election, you should not have the former president of the United States emerging to start internecine warfare for his own peculiar interests against a sitting governor of Florida in a reelect race who is very popular with the base. So Donald Trump was doing a rally and Donald Trump has announced, or his team has announced, that he is likely to announce his new run in 2024 for the presidency as of November 14th. This is Axios reporting that Trump and his top advisors have been signaling for weeks a 2024 announcement is imminent. It's, of course, because Trump thinks that he won in 2020. He wants revenge against Joe Biden. He believes that his first presidency was dogged by a deep state that was hampering him. That part's true. He, uh, he, will not let go. And so he has decided that he is going to run again for better or for worse. And so he has not announced prior to the midterms, presumably because if then Republicans underperform, then they can't blame him. And if Republicans overperform, he can take credit. That would be the strategic reason why Donald Trump has waited until after the midterms to do all of this. Well, just before the election, two days before, because he has no discipline whatsoever as a human being, Donald Trump decides that he is going to slam Ron DeSantis, who is the governor of Florida, who's about to win a giant victory over Charlie Crist. The reason he's attacking Ron DeSantis is because DeSantis is widely presumed to be a possible rival for the nomination in 2024. As well, he should be. He's done an excellent job in the state of Florida. He's wildly popular. He has taken a purple state and he has turned it bright red. This is a state where Ron DeSantis won in 2018 by 30,000 votes. He's going to win against Charlie Crist by probably 10 percentage points. The legislature in Florida is entirely red. Both senators are red. This is a red state now. I'm happy to have been a part of that by moving my family over here. Ron DeSantis has done an excellent job. He stood up to the federal government, led, by the way, by Dr. Fauci, who had been empowered by Donald Trump. It was Ron DeSantis who took the, took the heat for opening up his state in the middle of COVID. It's Ron DeSantis who has done yeoman's work in fighting both critical race theory and radical gender ideology in his state. In fact, over the weekend, the Florida Health Department banned transgender surgeries on minors in the state of Florida. Ron DeSantis has been an incredibly effective weapon on behalf of conservatism in the state of Florida. And Donald Trump is mad about this because he sees the possibility that DeSantis may have stolen some of his thunder and may, in fact, be a rival, especially because DeSantis has raised gobs and gobs and gobs of money, like upwards of $150 million for his gubernatorial race. There's going to be a lot in the kitty if DeSantis does decide to run. 
The logic, by the way, suggests that DeSantis should run for president in 2024. He is termed out. And he's reelected this year, let's assume. And tomorrow, he's reelected. That means that he is out of office 2026 because everybody is term limited. So either he goes now or he has to wait until two years after his gubernatorial term to run. Politics doesn't work that way. You don't get to sort of wait it out. It's either your moment or it ain't your moment. It may, in fact, be Ron DeSantis' moment. Trump knows that. But Trump also doesn't have the discipline until waiting after the, the midterm to start attacking Ron DeSantis. Also, Trump's mode of campaigning always and forever is to target his opponents with nicknames and branding. He can't actually make a governing argument against DeSantis because DeSantis, frankly, has governed more conservatively than Trump did. When it came to COVID, he governed more conservatively than Trump did. When it came to economic freedom, he governed more conservatively than Trump did. Like DeSantis has Trump thoroughly outflanked in terms of policy. And so this means that Trump is getting irritated and he's hoping to sort of preemptively smack DeSantis hard enough that DeSantis doesn't end up running. And so the nomination basically just falls into his lap. But again, he could have done all of this after the election. Let's assume you love Trump. Let's assume that you think that Trump is the best nominee for 2024, that he's the guy. Put aside the fact that half the country already has said they don't like Donald Trump. Even if you think Trump won the 2020 election, I don't think the evidence is there. Even if you think that's true, everyone has an opinion on Donald Trump. There are no undecideds about Donald Trump. Forget the fact that he will be 80 running for president of the United States in 2024. Put aside the fact that Donald Trump will be limited to one term constitutionally. So he cannot run for another term after this. So even if he were to win, that guarantees you four years of Republican rule, but not eight years of Republican rule. And it doesn't even give you a candidate in 2028. Put all that aside. Let's say you love Donald Trump. Let's say you think everything that the man does is an act of 37D underwater upside down chess. Everything. I need you to explain to me why he's doing this two days before the election. He could have just waited until he announced. Ain't nobody announcing next week. Governor DeSantis is not announcing for the presidency November 14th. Donald Trump will be the first one in the pool. And the reason he's the first one in the pool strategically is because he's trying to crowd everybody out of the pool. And so he decides that he is going to attack Ron DeSantis by name and give him a dumb nickname. First of all, this is very bad branding. Usually Trump does better than this. Like you would think that, that Trump would go for something like Ron DeStupid or Ron DeFat or like well, whatever Trump usually does. But instead he goes for Ron DeSanctimonious. Not, not, not the finest branding moment for, for Donald Trump. This one goes up there with Trump water and Trump steaks. This one does not go up there with Make America Great Again. We're winning big, big, big in the Republican Party for the nomination like nobody's ever seen before. Let's see, there it is, Trump at 71, Ronda Sanctimonious at 10%. Doesn't even draw a laugh from his own crowd. It's a reminder that Donald Trump is a man without discipline. I'm not sure that that's a smart strategy going into what will be a fraught primary race. I do not think that Donald Trump is going to run unopposed, nor do I think that his only opponent is going to be Liz Cheney. I think it'll be somebody inside the Republican Party who says, listen, I love what President Trump did as president. We need somebody new. There needs to be some fresh blood. I hope that that's what happens in the primaries, because frankly, I think more options are good. Alrighty, guys, the rest of the show is continuing right now. You're not going to want to miss it. We will be getting into the media, which is already pre-criminating the, the loss of Tiffany Cross over at MSNBC. A sad day for us all. Plus, Joe Biden finally putting some pressure on Ukraine to negotiate. If you're not a member, click the link in the description and join us. 